All right, everybody, welcome into Pickaxe and Roll. This is part one of a two-part podcast that I'm recording with Matt Moore. He did a fantastic job of sharing out some interesting details on his top 100 list. And because the podcast got pretty long, I decided to split into two parts. So first part is basically going to be all about the top 100 with debates about Jamal Murray, Joel Embiid, Trey Young, uh, various players, Michael Porter Jr., Laurie Markkinen. There's there's some good content in this. Part two is all about superstar trades and figuring out which star is going where. We did a draft of sorts going back and forth on which star is going to be drafted first. So that's fun. That's in part two. Right now you're listening to part one though. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Matt Moore. All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to be hosted by a very special guest. He is the wonderful, the esteemed Matt Moore. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for showing the energy on this podcast. I know that the music gets a little bit loud at the beginning there. Uh, Matt Moore of the Action Network does Locked On Nuggets, uh, my good friend. Uh, Matt, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. How are you? Just enjoying the offseason. I'm enjoying a quiet time in Nuggets land. Um, while it's, I think it's obviously it's a bummer for Jamal that he's not able to compete for Team Canada, it also means that with Lacko unfortunately out and Nicola taking the year off and Jamal now done that don't I don't. I don't have to devote a lot of energy towards like I'll watch some of the world cup cause it's fun basketball, but I'm glad to have like a little bit of a, a break from like needing to be dialed in on something as I'm the knee deep in off season stuff right now. There's a lot I'm, off season, especially in the NBA. It's, it's pretty formulaic when it comes to uh, you, you know, that the, the lists are going to come out, you know, that all of the, like there's a lot of things that happen like from a transactional standpoint that help keep the wheels turning, but you get to a dead point where we've, we've got like, I I don't know. We've, we've got various issues with uh, Harden being stagnant and Lillard being stagnant and whatnot. And that's probably going to continue. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about uh, this particular topic, because I think that, there, there's a lot that we can get into from a, a superstar trade standpoint, from a transactional offseason standpoint, as, as, as you mentioned. But uh, I'm, I'm glad you're able to stay busy. I, I know that I've been uh, I have definitely been struggling when it comes to formulate like formulating good content following a championship run. That's definitely it's definitely something like what, what is what's the most important and, and most valuable thing that I can I can really contribute at this point. I've definitely struggled with that. Yeah, that's why over at Locked On Nuggets, we've done the uh, the guests. That's where I've gone to. Is I'm trying to have I'm going to have you on here in a few weeks and just to talk about like the experience of covering the championship. Like I, to me, it's like there's such a rush to be like, what about next year? The title defense and can they win another? And is there a dynasty? And da, 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 da. and then I'm kind of like, you won the title. Like take the summer and enjoy the summer. Like enjoy being the champion, the celebration. Remember the title. This finally happened. Don't move on too quickly. So that's what I'm trying to focus on as far as the Nuggets content goes. I definitely, definitely feel that. There's there's a lot that I just want to enjoy when it comes to basking in the glory of this. I, I, I've been watching It's Wade's Twitter feed, which has been awesome. 
uh, that's that's a that is a hellscape of of uh, fire of Twitter mentions and receipts and whatnot. So that's always been enjoyable and that's been a fun thing to track. But uh, there there will eventually be a new season and Denver will eventually have to defend their title. And I, I'm looking forward to being able to cover that too. But uh, for now, let's talk about. Uh, actually, I, I want to get into this uh, this list that you're putting out. You're you're putting out something tomorrow. Uh, you and I, this was kind of the basis for why I wanted to get you on and, and to talk about this stuff. Uh, it's part of, it's a, a annual rite of passage for the off season. And I assume that Action Network was very happy that you're going to put out a top 100 players list. Uh, what's the, what's the sitch? What's the, what's the top 100 uh, looking like this year for you? Yeah, so I actually wasn't going to publish it. Um, I had enough people ask me like, hey, what's your top 10? Or hey, what's your top 25? Whether it was other media folks or co- co-workers at Action were like, hey, what's your top 10? Or these other things. And then I was kind of like, well, I need to have like an estimation of like the ranking so I can evaluate. Because I also have put together, uh, I've used expected wins over at dunksandthrees.com um, to figure out what the spread value for all these players is from an expected win standpoint. It's just mm-hmm. one metric to use. And I was like, well, I want to be able to evaluate what I think of them versus the spread. And so if you're going to do that, you need to do a top 100. So I did the top 100. I started doing, I started the ranking, did like the first run of it and was just like, threw it into a, a Slack that I'm in with a bunch of, of uh, old friends I used to write with. And un- unfortunately my editor at action network, Andrew Lynch is also in that chat and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You, you did a top 100 list. I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to publish it. Like I don't, I don't want to deal with the mentions on it. The next thing I get is a slack from my official action network channel with him and, and our graphic designer being like, Hey, Matt's got a top 100 list. He's going to write it up. Can we get graphics for it? And I was like, I never agreed to this. I didn't No, I don't want it. But yeah, so we're doing top 100. Um, I've done it. I did it every year at CBS and that's why I'm bringing back the name, which is the elite 100. Mm. Um, and then I decided to go ahead and do it this year. I've done it. I think I did it once before at action taking a couple of years off. It's, it's a stale concept. I think it's good to do it every couple of years because the other thing is like, you'll learn, like you will learn so much about the NBA because you'll just be like, huh? Like the one that like the, one of the early ones is just, you find out like that guy's a lot older than I thought he was, or that guy's a lot younger than I thought he was, or that guy shot a lot better last year you'll find all this, like, this like, little bits of information that I think helps understanding the context of the league. So like it is an educational exercise. Um, but yeah, so the four of the starters of the Denver Nuggets are in the top 100. There is one player uh, that is not in the top 100 because he wow. just missed the cut. He just missed the cut. Uh, the way I do it is I put them in tiers first. So I rank every player one to five. One being the worst, unplayable. Five being megastar, superstar, top of the top. And then you rank all the fives, one through five. And then you rank all the five fives, one through five. And you do that until you've broken all the tiebreakers. To me, that's the most empirical way because it lets me really decide between the two players of like, instead of being like, that guy's here, that guy's there, you're actually able to be like, all right, these guys are in the same area like does this guy belong with these other players or does he belong with a higher player uh seth partner obviously at the athletic does the tiers i could have done that but 
uh, part now does that in part because, well, it's a cowardly way to do things. And so it avoids the controversy of rankings, but I'm not afraid of such things. So I want to head into the ranking. Oh, you, you uh, love to be the, the polarizing figure on Twitter sometimes. And you're, you're, you're willing to, to wade into the muck at times when it, when it comes to uh, the, the debates on Twitter. I have also on my end formulated a top 100 uh, similar process to yours. I, have have done this multiple times throughout the summer and ultimately ironed it out and was able to sort by tiers and by position. I'm not going to bore everybody with the exact like placement for all of my guys, but I have Nikola Jokic at the top of my list. Uh, how long did it take you to decide who would be at the top of your list this year? Five seconds less. <laughs> by the time I asked the question, it was already answered. It's Nikola. Um, I will say this. For as amazing as Nikola is, and as dominant as he's been in the last three years, as dominant as his playoff run was, as definitive as he established himself as the best player in the world, in part the reason this was so easy was actually more to do with the other players at the top. Um, the list that I had going into last year, if you had asked me who's the best player in the NBA, to me it was on any given night, it was Nikola, Giannis, Steph, and KD. Like those four, those four players, I felt like on any given night when I'm watching League Pass, I will be like, that's it. He's the best player. He, he's got to be the best player. KD's injuries and playoff struggles that knocked him off the list. Um, he fell the furthest of them. Steph is going to be 36 next year is still arguably the most impactful, but the way that Nicola controls the game is so definitively greater. Um, plus just like, again, Steph's getting older. He was still amazing last year. Steph's is probably the, is the, he is, he's like one of the closest. And then Giannis, I docked for his jumper made a real leap in 2021. And that's partly why they won the title not the long jumper. He just needs the short jumper, but that went back this year. He missed more games. He had more injuries. Uh, he struggled a little bit more from the field. The stats weren't as dominant and he didn't hit, hit the jumper as often. So if you take those little things away, that's enough for it to be like, there really is no question. It's gotta be Nicola. I, I felt very much the same way in the way that I ended up doing it. Uh, I'm, operating obviously from a place of bias where I know that Nicola is the best player in the world. And it's just about how do I, how do I tell people that he's the best player in the world? Um, and by the way, everybody, if, if you're talking about the the webcam video, I think it's issues on my end when Matt's trying to link to my Wi-Fi connection, which I've been having issues. So it's not, it's not a Matt issue, despite the fact that it looks like a Matt issue. So sorry. Um, but I I had a top tier of Joker, Giannis, Steph, and Luca. Those are the four that ended up as the the top four players for me. There's a lot of like, hemming and hawing that comes from the top fourteen or so players, where you could have pretty much everybody in any order. I do think that Jokic is really solidified. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think you could you could argue it that way, but. Uh, Jokic has, has solidified himself as number one. I think that Giannis and Steph are clearly two and three. And yeah. anywhere after that, you can really start 
having questions. Um, I'm curious where you would break off the like all NBA caliber players versus all-star caliber players, because I had Anthony Davis at the bottom of the all NBA caliber and Trey young at the top of the all-star caliber. Ooh, boy, that's tough. Um, based off of the fact that there's more guards than forwards. Right. Um, yeah. I'm just going by quality and not by position. Yeah. I'm trying to figure this out. Um, I would say, Ooh, like I think Lori marketing was all NBA worthy last year. He was that good. He was that efficient. Wow. So I would go like, if I, if we're talking about the guys that I would qualify as all NBA worthy, I would probably get to 21. Um, that's okay. obviously more okay. than you're going to have, right? Like you're only going to have 15, but, um, my list would be Nicola, Yana, Steph, Luca, Tatum, Butler, Booker, Durant, SGA, Embiid, Dame, Kawhi, LeBron, AD, Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, Tyrese Halliburton, actually, De'Aaron Fox, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brunson, and Lori Markkinen. Those are the guys I would get to. That is possibly the highest I've ever heard somebody on Lori. So um, if you really look at not only the efficiency and the scoring, if you like, if you dive into the team effect and the advanced metrics, um, Lori acquitted himself really, really well. So he was 96 percentile last season in EPM, which is my go-to catch all stat. Um, and that includes uh, 81st percentile actually um, on defense and 96 percentile on offense. Uh, he oh, shot yeah. Uh, at the rim, 67% from the mid-range, 45%, which is incredibly good, and 39% from three on volume scoring. And when you look at the on-offs, and the other thing was basically that when Markkinen was playing and they were engaged and they were trying to win, the Jazz were actually a really good team with not a lot of talent. And so, like, is Laurie, like, a control-of-the-game guy? Is he a playmaker? No, but I would also... Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll just... Screw it. Um, what, what is the significant difference between Laurie and Joel Embiid? <laughs> like, I'm just, if it's points per game, yay points. I mean, you, you give Laurie the shot volume and James Harden the pass to him and he's probably going to generate a ton. You go, oh, it's the defense. Defense, Joel can only play drop, right? So it's like, if he has to come out on the perimeter, he gets barbecued by Jason Tatum in the most disappointing playoff exit of his career. And you have to actually rank them because there's been so many. So like what exactly, what ex I'm asking, like, what is it? Because you wouldn't say like Embiid's passing, right? Like this is more a credit to Markkanen than it is like a dig at Joel. Like, I don't think people realize how good Markkanen was last year. Like the that's, jump that's made, probably true. The jump um, that he made with the Finnish national team. And just again, like if we're just going to look at this and we're going to be like points per game is why you win MVP. Okay. Well, if we're just going to talk about that, then the efficiency of a scorer who in marketing is a three level scorer has to kind of be weighed here because if you're not going to do anything else except dunk on little tiny people or draw fouls by grifting, I don't, I admit that Joel's better, but like if, if marketing is a crazy efficient volume scorer 
And Joel is a crazy efficient volume scorer who, when you look at it last year, honestly wasn't even that dominant at the rim. It was mostly the mid-range, the mid-range shot out of pick and roll. So, you know, like, right. I understand that that sounds crazy and I apologize <laughs> for making the comparison. It's not fair. Lori Markin has never had a failure in the playoffs like Joel has had multiple times. So it's really <laughs> not fair for me to make the comparison. Uh, I, I love having you on this podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, on, on that note, that's uh, I, I don't know if that's as spicy as we're going to get, but that's pretty close. Uh, that's, just, that's awesome. I, again, <laughs> it's fine. I have Joel much higher on the ranking. It's fine. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Much higher? Yeah. Yeah, like six spots? No, uh, I have him... I have him 11 spots higher. Okay. Okay. See, it's funny. I, I had Laurie at the bottom, like I had him outside of that tier. I had him at 34. Uh, a reason for that is because it happened so fast in one year that I just like to see him do it again, but it didn't. That's the thing is that if you really go back and you watch the two, this is what's weird. It's like the 2021 or 22 season for Cleveland never happened. They were on track too close to a top four seed that year. And then Lowry got hurt. Then Mobley got hurt. Then Allen got hurt. Then Garland got hurt. They all got hurt the last month of the season. They slid into the play in tournament versus Brooklyn and got beat by Brooklyn. And so like everyone kind of forgets it, but like Lowry was really good with Cleveland. I was buying Lowry stock then. And then he, he got obviously a bigger role um, with Utah. And so like that really matters here. Um, but again, like, look, we're, we're talking about this is a 50, 39, 88 shooter on 26 points per game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. you don't have to argue with the numbers this year. There's no doubt in my mind. I I just would like to see it one more time. And I understand that he has like that he did it in Cleveland and that that should have been a thing uh, that that really propelled him then. Uh, but I, I would still like to see it. Um, the tier of guards that Jamal Murray is in is what tier? Uh, Jamal is a five, right? So we've got like the one through five. So he did get a five. He is in the final one of it. Um, Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So he is in a tier with Paul George, Anthony Edwards, Demonis Sabonis, Chris Apps Porzingis, which I know is surprising, but trust me, like the numbers are there. Uh, Drew Holiday, no, I'm sorry, just Chris Porzingis, and that's it. He is above Trey Young, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, and Drew Holiday. Wow. Um, I've moved him up since I last talked to you. I Yeah, that's that's fair, and I, I do appreciate that. I don't know where I ranked Chris Porzingis. I think he fell through the cracks on my ranking, unless I'm crazy. Uh, yes, he did fall through the cracks, so I'll have to re-rank him. I would probably have him in the... 50s personally i would not have him where you probably have him okay um uh again i'll just like go back to this which again so a lot of this is like i'm not overly dependent on epm right so like there's guys in epm that i'm like okay i don't i'm not just like following the list of epm but i do think this is significant um so like as a comparison point donovan mitchell had a plus 5.0 EPM last season. Chris Dapps had a 5.1. Jaron Jackson had a 4.9. Porzingis had a, had a, a 5.1. 
Um, he was overall, he was 18th in EPM last season. Sure. And oh, yeah. when you start to like dive into what he actually did, which again, we like, we get into this efficiency. Like I'm really care when you're an efficient shooter across how you shoot like that to me really matters. Um, and he was 67% at the rim, 48% from mid range, which is sick. 39% from three point range. I've never been a Porzingis guy. I don't necessarily think highly of him. He was awesome last year if you look at his synergy splits too and i went back and watched the film like post up he was great he's never been good at post ups he was great last season it was a contract year and like the odds are that he's going to be hurt and slide back and he'll be back down into where you're describing him now but i think one of the differences that we're kind of talking about here is that you're dealing with more of a who have these guys been in the league generally over the last couple of seasons and i'm much more focused on like you're going to get credit and you're going to get punished for recent events because that's the most recent data that we have. I will give you credit if you have a longstanding reputation, but like as an example, I have Chris Paul painfully low for me. It hurts me how low I have Chris Paul, but what I saw last year was a player that is not the same guy. And I have LeBron James in that same boat where it's like, he's way lower than I want him to be. Mm. But like, that's who you are now. And so I, I have a little bit more of a recency thing. So with Chris Daffs, whereas you're with Lori, you're kind of like, you're going to have to prove it to me. I go the other way where I'm like, no, no, no. Like he showed us, this is who he is. He's going to have to disprove that before I put him back down. Interesting. Okay. And that's, it's a, it's a fair point. And as long as it's consistent across the board, then no, nobody can really complain with that. Like if that's the, if that's the policy, then that's the policy. There's no, there's no issue there. Like, I mean, for that reason, like I, I think I've been pretty reactionary with Carl Anthony Towns. I put him at 35 with Laurie Market in at 34. Like I think that there is there's some I ha- reasonable. I, I, like, I go ahead. Kept, I have cat 48. Oh, oh yeah. I, I hate it because like I'm the I'm I'm the only guy in Denver that's always like he's trying. He has good <laughs> intentions. He just doesn't know how. That's so oh, but like, I mean, yeah. I just I had to put him there. This podcast, as you know, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Uh, I very much enjoy using Superbook. They are doing great stuff, and I know that they are uh, in their bag when it comes to football, uh, preseason bets. There is a lot going on over at Superbook right now. They're the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use their promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they will match uh, your bets with the promo code mile high. All you got to do is download that Superbook Sports app. You can definitely uh, make some money over there. Win your first, or they'll match your first bet up to 250 with promo code mile high. Don't miss out on that promo code. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1 800 522 4700. We'll be right back on pickaxe and roll. So the, I basically did it in the tiers that uh seth does but like i i have it numbered as well 15 trey young 16 anthony edwards 17 john morant 18 donovan mitchell 19 jamal murray that's my that's the back end of my top 20 and then i have bam at 20 and darren at 21 um i think that given how wildly different each of those guys performs between the regular season and the playoffs that it's fair to have them in any order that, that you actually want between those five guys. I know that players like, like I think I'm higher on Trey 
than a lot of people are at this moment. But I think that he's great. And I think that they're like, he, he has like, there's a lot of context behind what he did this last year where he had not a lot of help around him and did some great stuff with it. Um, now there's, there's a cost to playing with Trey young and he's got to be very specific in terms of how you do it. But like, he's a guy that I think is belongs in that tier. And I think all those guys really belong in that tier because they haven't really separated themselves in any direction. Um, Jamal, grandfathered himself into that tier with these with this last playoffs he wouldn't have been there otherwise yeah okay so there's a lot to kind of chew, chew through here because like oh yeah the trey i think is an interesting kind of counterpoint um in that uh i have i have trey 30 and i have jamal 26 mm-hmm. so i have jamal higher than than him um and part of that is based off of trey had a really down shooting year last year right and I expect that to improve, but he's not necessarily getting credit for this because there are guys that I'm like, I think they're going to make a leap until so I'm going to put them higher. Trey's not one of those guys where I'm like, well, you know, we'll see. They, from a very generalist standpoint, I'll just say like Jamal's a better defender, obviously. And then on top of it, um, Jamal can shift roles where Trey can't. And I, I just think that people would rather play with Jamal than Trey. Like that's pretty established that guys don't love playing with Trey Young, but he's a meal ticket, and so it's fine. The balance that's tough here, and it's one of the reasons why I have Jamal twenty six, is you should get credit if you are an engine, mm-hmm. like if you are the driving force of a team. And you'll notice that like De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis are both like in this kind of range, and it's interesting because like you can argue. That, that both those guys are the engine for Sacramento. Yep. And Anthony Edwards is above Jamal, but like, I think Anthony Edwards is similarly to Jamal, probably should be like more, more of an engine, right? Like they should give him more of the wheel and maybe that will happen in time. But like, if you take on that responsibility, like I, you know, I am constantly finding ways to discredit Kyrie Irving, but like Kyrie's higher here because you can put Kyrie on the magic next year and he'll just be the engine and they'll win 45 games. If he plays, if he shows up, they'll win at a 45 win clip when he should, when he's there. And that kind of happens. The other thing that I did kind of focus on here was you have to show that you can do something before being given credit for it. And one of the things that I did with Jamal is Jamal has never been a number one. Right. Um, so I can't put Jamal among the number ones because he's never been one. Fair. And, and I, I understand that. It's one of the reasons why I definitely struggle with putting him much higher than like 20. Right. Because you can't start like putting him across some of those other number ones, despite the fact that like when you're actually building a winning team, you'd probably take an elite number two over a bad number one in a lot of cases, especially if you've got that number one. But if you have just this average team that you're starting with, or you're like, let's say you don't have any of the guys ahead of you, then you're probably taking an engine. And so that's why I have Trey ahead of him. It's why I have Ja ahead of him. It's why I have Anta ahead of him. I even have Mitchell ahead of him. Like I have all those guys ahead of him. Uh, I think with Fox, you could really debate it. They're in the same tier. I think with Paul George and Jalen Brown and guys like that, like Drew Holiday, like I have Murray above him, above those guys, because he's proven to be a better number two than all those guys. I really do believe that. Yeah. And I think, um, 
I did a playoff ranking entirely separate of the full ranking. And Jamal was like a very, not the only one, but he was a driving reason behind wanting to do that. Right. And Jamal I have as the 11th best playoff player. It's wild. It's awesome. Like, Jokic, Steph, Giannis, Jimmy, Luka, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, LeBron James. Those are the only guys I have above Jamal in playoff ranking. And like, I'm not going to argue, like there is no argument for any of those guys, including Devin. I'm sorry. Like you just saw what Devin did for two games in games, like three and four, like, and Devin had to do a lot with a pretty crappy roster. Um, Devin's amazing. And Devin's also a better defender than Jamal. Uh, So like Devin's up there, but Jamal being 11th is like, that's still incredible. Like the Nuggets have the first and 11th best playoff players in the world right now, which isn't necessarily shocking because it's like, well, they just won the title, but it does show you how much this isn't just like Nicola, like what Jamal did in the playoffs really matters. And, you know, we talked about, we talk about like, well, let me see you do it again with marketing with Jamal. It was okay. Well, let's see what you do outside of the bubble. And it's like, you know, yeah. he just ended all that conversation. So um, if you were, ju- if you were told me that this is just based off of, like if my list was guys to win a championship with Jamal is absolutely higher than 26, but I do think that there's a, like a whole context to the regular season that you have to try and search for to be, you have to understand what it takes in terms of durability, in terms of usage, in terms of stamina, in terms of being able to be that engine to drive all those types of things. Like here, here is a good example of a, of a guy that I think that probably most people would be, be grossed out by um like on the list like i i have harden higher because mm-hmm. james harden led the league in assists last year and you could be like well assist or whatever I, I, i'm telling you as somebody that watches harden every night i know what harden does Harden manipulates the defense as well as anybody he's done this year after year after year after year after year after year and sure like if we're talking playoffs the gap between jamal and harden is wide in jamal's favor which is great. That's 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 what most people are really caring about with something like that. But there are 82 games in the regular season, and like you said, Pardon, he just does a lot of stuff. So I don't fault anybody. Like they're they're in the same tier, and and like it or not, like Jamal hasn't made an All Star appearance. Like he he yeah. probably should do that, and like that that will probably happen this next year. But who knows? Maybe maybe something similar happens. Where how many times have you said well? that? How many times have you said that? So right, I I am still. I mean, I can't tell this to you, but I'm still mad at Mike Conley. Um, <laughs> this is the year. Jamal's, Jamal's <laughs> gonna do it. Uh, let's let's move on real quick to the other three Nuggets in the starting lineup. Uh, currently, I had Michael Porter. Uh, actually, not Michael Porter. We'll go to Aaron Gordon. I had him as the 48th best player in the NBA. I had Michael Porter as the 54th best player. I think they're very much in the same tier when it comes to like these secondary or tertiary, like role player starters that you need in order to win a title. Uh, I think that Gordon is really great, but I also think it's important to understand that he did step back from a scoring perspective in the, in the playoffs and, and kind of gave way to the other guys and really focused in on the defense event and did his job within his role. Yeah, except in game six, right? Um, or game six, game four, game four of the Lakers series, Heat. of the Heat series. 
Oh, the Heat series. I he, I mean, he was – there. there's a lot of good things that Aaron Gordon yeah. did. I don't want to – I don't yeah. want to belittle it because so, like, he, he's great. I, we're, we're, we're pretty dead on on Aaron. I am 46. I'm a little bit higher. We're in the same range. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I, on, have, man. I, I have MPJ 74. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's – see, that's crazy to me because okay, well, I see him in – like especially with what he provided defensively, I see him in this tier now. Yeah, but okay, all right. Uh, Nuggets fans are very excited about MPJ's defense because it was like, hey, he wasn't the complete liability we thought he was gonna be, and like he played well. He genuinely played good defense. Like he was a good defender. But it's not like the Nuggets were asking MPJ to go out there and guard Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler. Carl Anthony Towns. That was AG's he had, job. He did have to switch onto those guys though a lot. That was like, AG. That was AG's job. Of course, but that's why they got him, and they're and, they're different players. But, but this is the other thing. So here's what AG brought to the table: scoring, rebounding, defense, passing. He effectively like he is able to help them make plays. Like he sets up Jamal, who sets up Nicola. He sets up Nicola, who sets up Jamal or KCP. He sets up Jamal, who sets up Nicola, who passes it back to back to AG. Like the screening really matters here because AG can screen effectively. That's not an MPJ strength, right? MPJ is an elite shooter, but really, especially when we look at how little he has in terms of still on the bounce game he's still a very one dimensional player. And Aaron to me was a very much a three dimensional player this season in all aspects. And he's great in the locker room and the advanced metrics really love him. And a lot of this is like, you know, it's like, Oh, the advanced metrics love him because he he was on the court with Nicola some, but also they liked him when he even like when he wasn't on the floor with Nicola, he had good metrics. There, there is a reason why Denver's offense and their defense in the playoffs took a major leap when Nicola was off the floor. It's because Aaron was on. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Aaron, to me, contributes in all these ways that help you win. Mm-hmm. And with MPJ, like, do I think MPJ could be top 50, top 40 next season? Absolutely. Like, 100%. Like, he could become a three-level scorer and do all this. For, in some aspects, MPJ is punished for doing in this exercise is punished for doing the exact same thing that he that made him so valuable to Denver, which is he sacrificed to do his job that they needed him to do. Right. But at the same time, it's not like I look at MPJ and be like, oh, yeah, he could be like a three level score engine dude, primary scoring weapon. He could be Brandon Ingram on another team. I can't say that because he does have enough holes in his handle and holes in his game and honestly, injury history for him to have to get dropped here. I do understand that. I, I don't want to like firmly go into this because there are other things uh, that, that I think are, are more interesting, but like I, I have him as the eighth best small forward. I, I have him behind, like I just ahead of, I, I could, Oof. I could go over it actually. Let's, let's go over it because I think it's very important to define what a small forward is. I have Luca as a small forward because that's the position he guards. Um, uh, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Brandon Ingram, Chris Middleton, DeMar DeRozan, Michael Porter, above Andrew Wiggins, OG Ananobi, Franz Wagner, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Williams, guys like that. Um, look, I think when you I think when you set the table 
for a guy like Michael Porter Jr., he's going to make it at, at a higher rate than just about any player in the NBA, excluding the NBA Finals. Um, I think that he was fantastic in so many avenues during the playoffs on that run that the Finals kind of was a it was a little bit of a like a letdown when it, and I think everybody forgot in in a lot of ways that he really kickstarted them in the T Wolf series at times. He was the defining shot maker in the Sun series at times. Um, like he had some great moments against the Lakers and even guarding guys like LeBron. Like there, there okay, were some so really I, good moments I, that he had. Who, who's better, OGN, Obi, or Michael Porter Jr.? Michael Porter Jr. You're out of your mind. Like, uh, I, I don't even think OG's Masai that Ujiri, good. Clearly, Masai Ujiri agrees with you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but I, like, I don't um, even think OG's that good. Like, I'm the guy that's been like, I don't get it. Like, I still don't get it. But, like, OG is literally the best wing defender in the NBA. Like, that's, that is, I, I can't get around that. Like, that's metrics I watched last year. Like, that is objectively true that OG is the best there. OG was 48 39 last season. Like, I get the idea of MPJ as a shooter. I get it. And he, he like he's an elite shooter for sure. But he's got no creation whatsoever. There's nothing off the bounce whatsoever. Nothing. Uh, but he's I mean he's taking 7.33s a game. Like that's there's and he's shooting he's making 41% of them. Like he is one of the best floor spacers in the league and he takes yeah, he's them. A, yeah, he's a really he's a really great shooter. Where where do you have Clay Thompson? Low low. Oh. Yeah, if you have if you have Clay Thompson higher than Michael Porter Jr., then we have an issue. Oh no, I do. I have him uh, substantially higher. Um, oh, see, so like, yeah, he was he was low in the playoffs. Look, horrible um, in the playoffs. Not how low. do you how? But yeah, but your thing is like show me for more than a year. Like if you're gonna do that, then Clay's got to get more respect. So Michael Porter Jr. back in the 2020-21 season was awesome. Then he was hurt the year after and now is what he is like that's he's been he's been mostly good but again like mostly Clay really still, good Clay is still a plus defender no he's not are you in you're insane clay thompson is not a plus defender anymore you he think he's a liability wow okay. why do you Oof. think they fell off so badly defensively because he was get, because he was gas getting ass ripped like holy cow he was yeah, it's really funny because I'm the one that's been, that's like, oh, hey, like recent events matter. But you're like literally just taking like, well, I mean, the, he was you're taking also... the Lakers series and defining Clay Thompson here. No, no, no. Because I mean, even the year before, like I, I know he's coming off of the Achilles and the knee, but like like you're talking about, that's just probably who he is now. And he's not getting any younger. Like, Yeah, probably... uh, I have him like way low on the plot playoffs right like i have i have clay like really low on the playoffs but look let's go back through this he played 69 games last season how many games did mpj play uh, i think like 60 22 points a game 44 percent from the field 41 percent from three does that sound familiar and 89 88 from the line oh really really nice of clay thompson to take advantage of the fact that he's a splash brother and that he has full reign in that offense like there's just more shots for him yeah, but the reason that there's more shots for him is like there are reasons for that. He's, like, yeah, he's a good shooter. He's a really no, good like, shooter. He's also able to to do things like move off of screens and take the ball and move it to other places. Like, 
it, it, it's MPJ not just that about, it's not just about like the, the whole thing here is if if mpj was still at like 44 percent or whatever i would have more weight towards this argument because i think that once you get above like lee average is 37 once you get above 40 every percentage that you take higher matters more and more and more and more but he honestly he wasn't that last year is 41 percent right i think that michael porter jr is a better defender than clay thompson okay um that's okay i don't even mind that necessarily like i can understand why you feel that way i mean this also makes a lot of sense given that you're ageist like we could be real right. like that's fair that's fair like, plays I, over I 30, he might as well be dead yeah, like i'm ready really when when, when Jokic <laughs> turns 30 you're gonna be like time's up get <laughs> pass the baton to jamal it's time i love it um all right. I think that's enough on the top 100, unless you have any other controversial rankings you want to share. Um, hang on. I'm sure I can find something. Um, now, you got me thinking about Clay Thompson. I'm going to have to think this through, I think, a little bit. <laughs> I actually wrote really through it. But, like, look, uh, MPJ, I will say this. Like, he's in the tier. His tier that he's in is Marcus Smart, Andrew Wiggins, Malcolm Brogdon, who won sixth man of the year, MPJ. Uh, that's it. That's his gear. And he's ahead of Emmanuel Quickly, Jeremy Grant, notably, uh, Chris yeah. Paul uh and josh giddy and mike conley so like That's he's fair. above some really good players still even at 74 uh yeah he's but like eighth best small forward in the nba you are smoking crack <laughs> eighth best small forward in the NBA. i mean i have jeremy grant at 52 and michael porter at 54 and andrew wiggins at 55 and og yeah, at 56 he's like, better than he's better than jeremy I'll, I'll say that like okay in part because he's you know what the why he's better than jeremy is that he was willing to to sacrifice and do the things that Jeremy wasn't? Yeah, which is um, sometimes like he's got the talent to do more. We know we know that he does. It's just I think I think he has pigeonholed enough over the course of these last two years that like he, he is he is focused very much on the role player stuff. And now when Denver needs him to do superstar stuff, I, I don't think he's going to be able to do it as well. Where, where do you have Desmond Bain? Uh, you're going to hate it. I have him at forty five. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's crazy. That's not crazy. Of course not. not. There's a lot of good players. <laughs> there's, there there's, are a lot of now, really good players. Now, I have LaMelo Ball at 39, which you're probably not super enticed about. Like, you're, yeah, you would probably swap those guys. Um, I mean, with who? What do you mean? Like, LaMelo and Desmond Bain. I have LaMelo at 39 and Desmond Bain at 45. Yeah. Um, guess where I have LaMelo Ball. Um, 56. Higher. Keep going. Um... 49. No, I'm sorry. He's like the other way. The other way. Oh, oh, 60. Higher. 65? Higher. 75? Higher. Jesus. Uh, 86? M85. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's hilarious. I mean, it's... What if you're an engine who should never have the ball? <laughs> I, I could I could make some compelling arguments between Tyrese Halliburton and Lamella Ball. Um, and yeah, Tyrese see, was did. second in assists per game last year. Yeah, and and I you're right you're right, and he had a really great center to really pair himself with, and did a lot of great. Okay, there's there's a lot of stuff. No, that we no, can no, get no. I want to have the Tyrese conversation. We can get to the other stuff okay. in a second. We got time. Tyrese uh, Halliburton, awesome. He's amazing. Yeah, I did a film where I was like you. I was like, like a lot of people. I was like, all right, whatever. All the draft picks like him. Okay, yeah, he's fine. He'll be pretty good. 
No, this kid is awesome. He is so good. Ryan, he's the second best passer in the NBA. That's all. I mean, that's a crazy, crazy take. Um, I don't think it's far off. Like, I, he he certainly averages like a ton of assists and absolutely isn't like. Look, I have him twenty fourth overall. Like, it's not like I have him in a crazy tier. Um, but I do think that you having Lamelo Ball at eighty fifth and Tyrese Halliburton wherever you have him, probably in the teens somewhere, is that's that's very disparate. So imagine that LaMelo Ball made teammates better, Mm -hmm. shot really efficiently from the field. Because bear in mind that Tyrese was 49-40-87 without injuries and with a better team. He's probably 50-40-90. Like, I think he's 50-40-90 next season. Like, like. He's he. I think Tyrese Halliburton has a chance to lead the league in assists while shooting 50, 40, 90. That, I mean, that would be dope. That would be dope. He's, I mean, he's really good. Um, um I'm Lamella looking at Ball, I don't, Ball may never crack, may, may legitimately uh, never crack 40% from three. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. Do you know where he was these last two years? Yeah, he was Is at it- uh, 39% the season before last and 38 last year. So, like, you you don't think that he could? Given the shot selection that he has right he now? Feel, like, he feels very much like a 37, 38% shooter to me. And that's very, that two percentage difference is major. Like, that's a, it, 37% in the NBA is, like, average. And on volume, yeah, it's nice. It's he nice. He shot 10 a game. Yeah, he is certainly, he, he, yeah, he, I will tell you, if we're, if this is a shot taking contest, you got it. <laughs> You got it. LaMelo Ball is one of the best players in the league at taking shots in the NBA. That's, That's certainly awesome. true. <laughs> but no, this is not no, a I thing. Mean, I, fair. Fair. I, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't do him any favors with the situation they put him in last year. But No, 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 um, no, 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 no. No. Go back to the year before. They were a play-in tournament team. And mm-hmm. last year... They had injuries, but they still had most of like the remnants of that, and they were bad. And do you know why they were bad? In large part because of how Lamelo Ball played. They pin that stuff on injuries. I'm telling you, like I've watched a ton of Hornets games because I wind up. That's like the game that's on when I'm making dinner or doing laundry in the early sure. evening. I watch a lot of them. There is no player to me more frustrating than Lamelo Ball. I do not get it. I do not get it. He only played 36 games last year, so I don't want to hold him to it like too strongly. Uh, this next year, I mean, he's he's got to make some good decisions because there, there's there's a lot there. Um, and for for obvious reasons, like I mean, he he was he's a very immature player. Like there's there's no doubt. Um, okay, uh, that's uh, where where do you have Halliburton? By the way, um, I have Tyrese Halliburton. I'm very low on playoffs, obviously, because he hasn't been there. I am 17th. Yeah, that's you are you are high on Tyrese. That is a that is a. I'm planting my flag very, on that one. That's fine. Like I'm willing, to, I'm willing to be like, this is going to be a top five offense next season. They're going to be a playoff team. Tyrese Halliburton is an engine. He is awesome. Um, where did I? Oh, you know, I I just figured out where I put. Um. I put James Harden twice. I didn't <laughs> put Jalen Brunson. 
Uh, Jalen Brunson should be on this list. Okay. Uh, I have Halliburton better than Brunson, by the way. So um, whoever that uh, I have Jalen, I have Halliburton better than, than Brunson, but I have, I have Brunson 20th, which seems like. That's very high. It feels that way to me, but I'm also like, look, he had good efficiency on relatively low usage on a playoff team as the best player. And he has both, he has playoff wins versus Utah and versus Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So like, he has he was the reason they won that Utah series. So like he has playoff wins in his resume, which right. a lot of guys honestly don't, especially not as a number one. And when I looked at it through that lens, I was like, man, I gotta give Brunson credit. I mean, he's he's really good. He he deserves a lot of credit for um like I I certainly don't have Julius Randle ranked that high. So uh, he does deserve a lot of credit. Um all right. Well, I think that's a good place to cut it. We don't want to spoil too much of this list. So everybody that is listening should go read Matt's piece on the Action Network, which I assume drops tomorrow. Is Hopefully. A- we'll see Hopefully. how my editors do with it. It's a lot of words. I, I, I have no doubt. Uh, you, uh, I think the, the one thing that we use, uh, uh, the word that we can use to describe Matt is definitely not brief when it comes to these explanations. Um, anybody that's read the MVP columns understands that for sure. Um, because you like to do the work. And like, if you don't do the work, then people can come after you for no reason. So, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the actually the main portion of this podcast, but we'll, we'll go a little bit shorter on that one. Uh, we're going to predict where the next superstar trades go. Uh, that should be a fun conversation to 